Well, we, before we begin our study, let's, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Did you know that you're not the only one who has problems you can't fix? Did you know that you're not the only one who has needs that go beyond your ability to take care of? In fact, we're all in that condition. We all have, we ha- all have this as a fact of life, and none of us should be ashamed of it. The readings this week teach us that God actually wants to help us fix what we can't fix. And whenever we're reading, as we are this weekend, about lepers, it's really easy to gloss over it or read fast and say to yourself, ah, I'm not a leper, I don't know any lepers, what does this have to do with me? It's not our problem. We aren't lepers. That's the good news. We're not lepers in physical ways, but we're all lepers in, in similar ways because we too, like the lepers, have problems of spiritual uncleanness. We have problems where we need to get healed. We need to get cleaned up. We need something in our life fixed, and we can't do it in our own power. We've tried. Do you have any problems in your life you've tried to fix that you still can't fix? Yeah. And we don't have the resources. Our problems are too big and our resources are not big enough. That's our condition. That's the condition of lepers. And even though lepers could not help themselves, God wanted to help them and so he would send other people to help them as one of the ways that God demonstrated his love and his concern. We read in Torah how the lepers were instructed to go to the priest to show themselves. And the priest would, would look at them and determine, is this that kind of leprosy that's a spiritual leprosy that needs a spiritual healing? And when they identified it, that was not the end of the matter. That was the beginning. Because from that point on, the leper needed to draw close to God, to separate himself from normal life and to seek the Lord with one goal in mind, and that was to let God fix what he couldn't fix in his own life. To to seek God's help for his healing and for the cleanup work that God knew that was necessary. The lepers went to priests because they needed spiritual ministry as part of getting physical healing. The priest was not only to diagnose, he was to guide. And one of his goals was to help the leper go through this difficult period and get to the other side where he was no longer in trouble. To get to that place where he was healed and he was cleaned up and then to guide him through one more thing that is not always natural for us and that's to give thanks to God 
for the good thing that he's done. Sometimes when we have problems, we say, why? And we don't necessarily want an answer. But when the problem is solved, we may still be saying, why? Why did this happen? Why did it happen to me? And we learn in Torah that there's another attitude, which is to say, thank you, Lord. And to learn what we can and to take from what we can understand from our situation. But in addition to that, to come to the house of God and offer up praise and thanks and say, you healed me. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. In this room right now are people who have been healed. Have you been healed? Have you ever had healing? Have you ever prayed for someone who was healed? Have you ever seen God work on behalf of somebody else who had an impossible situation, but it was not too difficult for God? Every time you think of those things, you can remember that God is good, that he's faithful, that he still is wanting to reach out to us with good news and to do great and marvelous things on our behalf. When he does those things, it's important to give thanks to him and to tell other people. But first of all, it's important to give thanks to God. If you tell other people but you don't tell God, you've only done half the job. Part of what we need is to celebrate God's victories. Now, I think all of us would prefer not to have any battles. Do you ever wake up like that and say, I just wish that today would be a peaceful day and there'd be no trouble today? But in this life, you will have troubles. Congratulations, you're still alive, you still have troubles. When you think of your troubles, think of the alternative. Do you want to be alive? Well, there's some hardship and there's some battle that is necessary for you to, for you to go through so that you will continue in the victory of God. Now, the priest would tell the the lepers, you're unclean. That was not meant to be condemnation. That was part of the solution. Because now the leper knew what his, what his cure would come from. It would come from getting clean with God. Sometimes you and I need that. We need to just know that the problem is we're not clean. And if we just get cleaned up, that would help us. Sometimes we want to take care of the symptoms, but not the underlying cause. And we have external symptoms, if you will, but we need an internal cure. We also need to know that being unclean does not have to be a permanent condition. God wants us to be clean. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be complete. He wants us to prosper in body, soul, and spirit. And I can tell you this, God is always on your side if you want to come out of uncleanness. We can be sure of that. And the story of the Syrian leper, Naaman, is a confirmation of that. It's from our Haftorah reading this weekend. Naaman, in the south, you know how to say Naaman. Naaman. He was commander of the Syrian army, the king's army of Syria. And he went to Elisha, the prophet of Israel, because his problem was too big and his resources were not big enough. And the God of Israel was able to help him. Why? Because nothing is too difficult for God. 
The God of Israel used the prophet of Israel to heal Naaman. But it wasn't only the prophet who was used by God. There were several others who had an important role. So I want you to turn to 2 Kings with me, chapter 5. We're just going to look at a few verses. And as we do, I want you to pay attention to the different people who had a role to play because each of them has to do their part. So we start in 2 Kings 5, verse 1. It says, Naaman was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. The Syrians had gone out on raids and they brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. So do you get the picture? They're, they're doing raids against Israel and they've enslaved a young woman from Israel. This is going to give you like a, a conflicted picture of how to have enemies and how to think about your enemies. Usually we want to think of our enemies as all bad and, not, and nothing good, right? And the fact is, they're a mix just like you and I are. And they have some good qualities, they have some bad qualities. Just because there are enemies doesn't make them all bad. And just because we're not the enemy in a situation doesn't make us all good. The Syrians had gone out on raids. They brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel, and she was a servant to Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, because he would heal him of his leprosy. So here is an enslaved uh, Israeli girl who's thinking about how God could bless her master. Now, would that be your attitude? Probably not, because it wouldn't be my attitude. I'd be thinking how God could strike down those people who enslaved me. Well, as a result, Naaman went in and he told his master. Who's his master? The king of Syria. So he's a general. Naaman is a general of an army. Unusual fellow because he's also a leper. It's not usually the case that lepers succeed in such a high level. And he says, thus and thus said the girl who's from the land of Israel. I like that in the Bible. Well, she said something like this, whatever. The king of, Is the king of Syria said, go now and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So the king of Syria, who's been raiding Israel, sends a letter to the king of Israel asking for blessings and help for his general who's been raiding Israel. It's sort of like Putin and Obama and the guys in Ukraine all looking to like bless each other during this time of conflict. And so he departed. Naaman took with him 10 talents of silver. If any of you is a good mathematician and has a, has a reference table, you can figure out how many dollars 10 talents of silver is. 6,000 shekels of gold. I don't know how, many, how much a shekel's worth, but I can tell you this, if you got 6,000 of them, it's a lot. I'll take any measure of gold coins. How about you? And then 10 changes of clothing. Isn't that interesting? And he brought the letter to the king of Israel which said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. <laughs> Here's enough money to get on your good side. Now I want you to think about who's helped so far. The captive young girl from Israel? 
right? She told Naaman's wife. So she's, the wife is involved. The king of Syria is involved. And so, so far you've got several other people who are involved in getting help for this leper general. Verse seven, it happened when the king of Israel read the letter. You'll find out he's no help. The king of Israel read the letter. He tore his clothes and he said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? So the king is so absorbed in his own dilemma, the conflict he's in, the battles he's fighting, etc. He can't even think beyond the situation. And he thinks this is just a terrible situation for him. What am I supposed to do? I can't heal this guy. This is a trap. This is not going to turn out well. And he says, the king says to the others, therefore, think about this and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. This is what would be called a provocation. This is a way of getting someone to behave that gives you the pretext for the next action you want to take. So the king of Israel does not do his part. He does not contact the prophet of Israel. He doesn't pray. In fact, what he does is he goes into mourning. He does that old Jewish custom of tearing his clothes. Because he's not just going through a custom. He's actually in mourning. He thinks it's going to get even worse from now. But I can tell you this, God worked anyway. Verse 8, so it was when Elisha, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Why are you in mourning? Please let him come to me and he'll know there's a prophet in Israel. So this whole thing is very conflicted because God is wanting to heal Naaman. The prophet of Israel knows it. The, the captive slave girl from Israel knows it. The king of Syria believes it. Naaman, the leper general, believes it. His wife believes it. The king of Israel does not. But the prophet of Israel says, I heard you're in mourning. Stop mourning. Send the man to me. We'll take care of it. Let him come to me. He'll know there's a prophet in Israel. See, Elisha's alert. He's ready to do his part. Then verse 9, Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a messenger to him. So interesting, if you think about diplomacy and politics and protocol, Elisha doesn't even go to the general. The general comes to him, he doesn't even answer the door. He sends his messenger. And his messenger carries this word. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you'll be clean. Naaman became furious and he went away and he said, indeed, I said to myself, he'll surely come out to me. Do you see what an offense this is? He'll stand, he'll call on the name of the Lord his God, he'll wave his hand all over the place and he'll heal the leprosy. That's how it's supposed to work. As if the general is an expert on healing and divine action. And then he says, you can see how um, he doesn't really think much of Israel. Are not the Abana, 
and the far, far apart, the rivers of Damascus, aren't, aren't they better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned and he went away in a rage. Now remember, when a general is in a rage, it's not a good thing. When a general is hostile and he's on the enemy's side and he gets angry with you, he doesn't just pout. Generals can go back home and they can take vengeance on whole countries. He's irate. And his servants came near and they spoke to him and they said, you see, this is the other side of this man, Naaman. There's got to be something special. How does a leper get to be a general? It's not so easy. It's not easy being a general even if you're not a leper. But his servants love him. And they come to him and they say, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. They approach him with humility and they ask him to humble himself. You would have done the hardest thing that he would ask you to do, but he's only asked you to go and wash yourself to be clean. Now we see who else is involved in this process, the servants of Nama. So verse 14, so he went down. He dipped seven times in the Jordan. Incidentally, this word dipped is the Hebrew from which we get tevilah, which means to be immersed in water, which translated into Greek is baptizo, which means to baptize. It means to dip in, to fully immerse seven times in the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored, like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now we can see that Naaman himself had to exercise faith, which means obedience to what he was told to do. You see, everyone has to do that. Our faithful obedience to God is important, but sometimes we can't get to that place on our own. We need others to help us get there. That was the case for Naaman. What was Naaman's goal? He wanted to be healed. Was he trying to get close with God? Not really. He just wanted help with his problem. And you know what? God knows that people will come to him looking for help when they've tried everything else. And he does not mind if you will, being the last resort for desperate people. But he doesn't leave it at that. When people come to him and he does for them what no one else can do, he looks to open up their heart too so that they can receive what they weren't looking for, that they can receive the salvation of God and the blessings that come by walking with God. Verse 15. And Naaman returned to the man of God, he and all of his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, indeed now, I know there is no God in all the earth except the God of Israel. 
Did anyone preach to him? Uh Uh-uh. But he already knew what the prophet of Israel thinks because the prophet of Israel is not a prophet of Syria. Do you get that? When you go to a prophet of Israel, you know what you're getting into. Can you imagine if the Palestinian authorities were saying, you know, we just need Jewish prophets. We need help. We need Jews to give us some wisdom. We need Jewish prayer. We need Jewish advice. We need some Jewish worship. That's our problem. Let's go to synagogue and get help. They would know what they're getting themselves into. You see what I'm saying? All those Jewish folks wouldn't have to explain much of anything. They just have to help. And the help would be from the Lord. Now I know, now I know, there is no God in all the earth except the God of Israel. Think about how many people God used for one man's healing. It's such a good picture for us. A lot of people have a role to play in every healing and every act of mercy for someone, and that's how God works. It took everyone doing their part for Naaman to be healed, and for Naaman's heart to change as a result of that healing. You see, this is a picture for us that really helps us understand. We each have parts to play. It's so important to do our part for the sake of God and the sake of mercy. And it's not necessary that we define our part. It's necessary that we do the part that's been assigned to us. Naaman had a plan. I'm going to go. The prophet's going to wave his hands all over the... He's going to wave, you know, say the right things. Who knows what those things are, but Shazam, I'm going to be healed. That's defining what needs to happen. God doesn't want us to have doesn't want us to rely on our power like that, even our power to figure things out. He wants us to learn to depend on him. My grandmother, 104 years old when she died. When she was 99, we celebrated her 100th birthday because no one thought she'd last to 100. (laughs) seriously and at her birthday she said you know I've already lived too long at 90 90 was enough so at 99 we're thinking this is it you know this is the last time to see grandma Rose and then a little over a year ago the doctors noticed her decline and said to the whole family, she's not going to last more than a few days. Sandy, who is a great statistician, counted it was 386 days. 386 days later was when she left. So we went from 99 to 104, five extra years. She went from 90 to 104, 14 extra years. And there were times when we were thinking, why, why? 
why is she living so long? And none of us has an answer for that, you know? <laughs> it, sounds, I, it sounds disrespectful, but she, like some people, it, it, I, it, you gotta be from my family to understand what, that it doesn't sound that way to us, <laughs> okay? <laughs> But I've been with the elderly when they feel like it's ready, that the time is ready. And it's not unusual for people to know when their time is coming near. And to be able to say that, and to say, I think it's time. And I've been with many people in their, their dying hours, their dying days, and I've seen that happen. But it's unusual when someone is ready and they don't die. They're not, she wasn't a depressed woman who felt, you know, like, I can't take it anymore. People would come to her and say, how are you? And she said, everything's great. And that's the way it was for her to the very end. So why did she live 386 days longer than the doctors thought she should live, could live? I don't really have an answer, but I know what happened during those 386 days because of what um, my uncle and aunt shared with us. My uncle, who has always described himself in the past as a scientist and thus an atheist, because as a scientist, he knows you can't prove God, so therefore there is no God. That had been his position for many years. But you know what the first thing was that he wanted to tell me when we went up for the funeral? He wanted me to know that every single caregiver during these 386 days were strong believers. Devout believers. African women who had immigrated to the U.S. and loved the Lord. And the reason he knew that is because they told him. They shared with him, and he freely engaged with them. And so for the first time in his life, he said to me, I'm beginning to see how creation and science and God can fit together. Now for him, that's as far as, I mean, that's more than uh, going a step in God's direction. He had never been in that frame of mind. But my uncle and aunt were so bold to tell everyone in the family about how these women were women of faith and strong believers and how much comfort they took from their care, the impact that it had. And so I understand these women prayed with my grandmother and for my grandmother and shared their faith not in the way I would have done it. Because the way I would have done it would have caused my family to push back. Do you know what I'm saying? But God knew how to answer prayers, and he sent people who could serve wholeheartedly. And I'm so grateful for that. And it makes me understand something about what Naaman was going through, that he needed a lot of help from a lot of people, and several different believers had to each do their part. Several people who said, I know God can help you. Not the God you think of, but the God we know to be true, the God of Israel. 
He can help you. And he has people who will take care of you and speak God's word to you and, and give you the blessings that come from God. And we saw, we saw and we celebrate this because my grandmother who had those extra 386 days, maybe 15 years extra, I don't know, had blessings from God because she was in the company and care of children, daughters of God, who had devoted their lives. I want you to get this. They devoted their lives to be of service to the Lord by serving his people and caring for them, encouraging them, praying with them, praying for them, doing what they could. And it is a witness to me. Do you understand those people had to move to America to be able to do that? They had to get it in their heart that they would leave their land and they would become strangers here. They had to take a position of servanthood and a position of faith at the same time. They had to make decisions to line their lives up, to do everything necessary. And God got all of them over there to just the right place to serve my family, my grandmother. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to the Lord for doing that. And so I can tell you, even when you can't fix things and you don't have the resources, God can fix things and God has the resources. He knows how to get people in the right position to help. And when we think of that, you know what I hope it does for us? I hope it makes us want to be that kind of person who's willing to be in the right position to do our part for the sake of others. Let me close with this verse that sort of sums up a great attitude. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses nine through 11. God has not destined us for wrath. Do you get that? God has not destined us for wrath. You know what that means? It's not the will of God that we would uh, be sentenced to eternal damnation. He has another plan for us. He wants to rescue us from wrath. He has destined us for obtaining salvation through our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. If you want to know what God's real plan is, he wants everyone to get saved by coming to know his mercy, his grace, his atonement through Messiah who died for us so that, say that with me, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we will live together with him. For that reason, encourage each other. Build each other up just as you are also doing. Get that in your heart. Get that in your mind. Don't let it grow weak. God's plan is to seek and to save the lost. God's plan is to restore people, to rescue people, to deliver them from sin. He will do it even for the sake of our political enemies, national enemies, because he loves the whole world. He doesn't divide the world into uh, our enemies and our friends. He has a different way of looking at things. And he wants us to be on his team. There are people who are crying out. They're crying for God to give an answer. And you are part of the answer.
Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your good intentions towards us. Thank you that you continually demonstrate your love and faithfulness to us. We thank you for that. We thank you for healing. We thank you for long life. We thank you for blessing. We thank you for blessed memories as well. And we pray, God, that you would use us for the sake of others, that they too would be healed, that they too would be rescued, and that they would experience the greatness of life that comes when they know you. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please stand? If you're standing alone, you can fix that. Move. Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.